0: Night on Arena. Artists Martin Gill and Nadine Barry on their works in the Ark's Winterlight exhibition. And we talk to the winners of the inaugural Ivan Boland Emerging Poet Award. one is the text. You can tweet the programme at RTE Arena. Winter is often seen as the bleakest period of the year, the season of nature's retreat to be endured and battled through until life resumes in the spring. But an exhibition at The Ark, the Cultural Centre for Children in Temple Bar in Dublin, looks at the joy, hope and beauty to be found all round us in wintertime. Winter Light features commissioned pieces by a range of Irish artists including Aiding Barry, Gowan Dunn, Martin Gale, Martina Galvin, Orla Kaminska and others. The exhibition runs until the end of January and joining me this evening two of the artists involved Martin Gill with me in studio here in Dublin and Aideen Barry joins us from Limerick where her large scale exhibition By Slight Ligaments is about to open we'll talk about that also but let's let's start with, uh, with Winter Light this exhibition at the Ark your uh, piece, your painting by the way we're going to tweet some images here for people to look at if you if you want to see what both Martin and Aideen are, are speaking about so I'll actually tweet Martin's uh, painting now, right now up on our uh, Twitter feed uh, at at RTE Arena if you want to see what we're talking about here. Martin, the, the painting is called Winter Feed. Maybe you could just describe to us What we're looking at first of all, and we get into what's behind what we're looking at, maybe subsequent to that.
1: Okay, sure, yeah. Well, the painting is obviously located in a landscape, and the um, viewpoint of us, the viewer, is fairly low down, and we're looking across the landscape. Um, um, It's a winter landscape, there's partially snow covered and Mm. It's obviously probably just after a thaw. So there's lots of greenery, lots of mud and little bits of snow lying around. And in the foreground, there is a large bucket with two smaller buckets behind it. So the line of buckets leads your eye Mm. into the painting. Um, The buckets are surrounded by um, a flock of corvets, crows, there's rooks and and a jackdaw there as far as I know. And there is a horse in the middle distance and the... Sort of suggestion that what's happened is that the um, owner of the horse or the ponies says it's feeding them every winter. This is a normal event mm-hmm. when the growth has stopped, you know. And uh, I've noticed because I live, I should add, I live in the countryside, yeah. so I see this. And one of the things about painting landscape and living in the landscape is when you live in it, you become familiar with all the tiny little minutiae of everyday um, existence within it, everyday. The workings of the place, the outworkings, as I think Seamus Heaney called it. But it's just the way that um, people deal with the landscape they're living in and the way the landscape kind of deals with people as well. Yeah, because you're you're
0: not, I I think, without putting words in your mouth, I hope, you're not uh, seeking to give us here, even if it was a summertime landscape, for example, you're not looking to give us some kind of romantic idyll, some rural, uh, mystical beauty. You're looking at something much more... Practical and, and real. Well, absolutely, than that. yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it's. I'm not interested in painting scenery. You yeah. know, these exactly. not about. These are not wide-eyed appreciations of nature or, or that sort of thing. It's much more the cut and thrust and day-to-day business of living in a landscape. And that business about feeding horses or whatever stock it is in the winter, is it's kind of ritualistic. You know, the people go out at the same time every day, leave the mm-hmm. buckets of grain out. The birds, uh, the aforementioned corvids, are really wise to this. And they begin to gather in the trees and bushes nearby, wait till the, ho- the animals have been fed and has moved away. And down they come and help themselves to... You know what is left over, and that's what's going on in the picture. There's yeah. uh, there's one rook sitting on the on the rim of a buck of a bu- uh, bucket rather, and then there's four or five other crows flucking around. There's,
0: there's one of them almost looking out at us, saying, "Hey, well, yeah, what are you what do you cry at?" <laughs> <laughs> <That's> it, yeah, <laughs> there's a touch well, of that about. I him. mean,
1: they are incredibly intelligent birds, mm. and they they are great problem solvers. Yeah, I right. know from feeding birds in the garden. You know, you spend half your time trying to keep the crows find ways of. Keeping the crows, Keeping away from crow, the, yeah, food exactly. for the smaller birds. Exactly. Now,
0: we, I, I'll come back to your painting again, Martin, but in the sure. meantime i'm I'm going to uh, tweet up one of Aideen's. Uh, uh, this is the, I suppose the overall uh, picture from this is from the catalog, the overall picture of of your work, uh, a snapshot of your work, Aideen. This is a, you might describe mm-hmm. to us what we're looking at here uh, at RTE arena if you want to see the image on on Twitter. It's a projection yeah. up onto up onto the wall and on the floor uh, the floor of the arc as well. Maybe explain what's involved here. That's right, Sean.
2: Yeah, so it's a, a huge architectural kind of uh, intervention into the beautiful arc building. So I used the long room gallery and I made this installation over kind of two floors that went up the wall, but also could be seen from above down from the landing in that gallery. Yeah. And it's a large vinyl wall drawing. So it was one of my drawings kind of exaggerated and blown up uh, so that it kind of looked like it grew from the floor upwards or from or vice versa. And then I projection mapped these animated kind of performative lights moving all the way through these kind of tunnels or systems through the uh, drawings. Yeah. So it's um It's kind of magical. Also, I mean, I was really thinking about who my audience was going to be and who are the people who are going to interact with this. And of course, like the context of the arc Mm. is that it's really curated around the experience of the child and uh, I wanted them to feel that you know you're told don't touch the artwork. The, in this case, you can be in the artwork. Yeah, and you, you can, can go be where you underneath can, you, it.
0: You could walk yeah. on walk on those projections yeah. on the floor, and you can be. Yeah. You, I suppose maybe some of the projections might even hit your foot or your body if you're walking in and around there. Exactly. I, I presume exactly. that was part of the idea. But maybe you would describe, and I'm going to go in in, in detail. There are four. I don't know how to describe the, the, the four mounds, uh, if you like. And this links in, I think, yeah. uh, Aideen, to your own living in the silver mines, which links in with Martin and talking about living in the countryside. Yeah. You you live in Tipperary near the silver mines. Uh, maybe yeah. you describe those. I'm going to call them pods, but you can correct me and tell me what I should be calling them. <laughs> and as we're doing that, we might, we might go into the detail of one of them as well.
2: Yeah, sure. So they're kind of like islands and it was really interesting hearing Martin talk about his relationship with the rural landscape because my rural landscape is quite an unusual place. Like underneath our house, there are all these tunnels that go down for miles and miles for like nearly a thousand years of mining history in Mm. the area. And our local neighbours used to say, you know, that night you could hear the minder, mine, miners, you know, as you put your head on asleep on the pillow, they'd be working through the night. So I thought that was such a really interesting idea yeah. of the invisible, you know. And it also had kind of conjures up images from antiquity, like Persephone going into the underworld and of course, you know, that was kind of one of those myths I learned as a kid, and I thought that was interesting that, you know, light disappears with Persephone, she goes underworld, so I yeah. thought that was something to kind of pull on. So these islands or landscapes are like, there's like movement, there's life happening within them. Yeah, because I've, I've
0: tweeted now uh, at RT Arena one of those islands, and thank you for the correct term for them, and it's the one, <laughs> it, it has, in particular, we, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight little yeah. kind of... Almost like holes that we can see into the yeah. land, if you like. Above it is a kind of a moon-like figure. But one of them is this uh-huh. big, this eyeball uh, kind of looking up <laughs> as, as, as well. It's, there's a kind of a mythological element to all of that, I'm presuming
2: yeah there is Uh, and and also it's a bit like you know uh, one time I tried to climb the mountain from the back of our house you know up to the silver mines and my my neighbour Richie O'Brien came out and he said don't go up there now you'll fall down one of those holes and what we'll do then is we'll bring the priest out to bless the hole and I thought this is interesting I could be in stuck in a mine trying to call out from here you know so I thought I'm going to make a bit of work kind of about me being stuck underneath also like Persephone or something so
0: (laughs) certainly you're, you're, Martin, Martin's having a good laugh at, at the thought of that. And, and a lot of it, it, it did strike me, Martin, how much, even though they're very the style, obviously, of yours and Aden's works, very, very different, but the themes are, are quite similar. I mean, going back to your, going back to your image, um, it, it is as much as anything else. When when Aideen talked about the miners underneath, I thought, I wonder what kind of noise those crows make as they're pecking at that food. That started to strike me but the other thing that that struck me in, in that winter feed uh, illustration which I have up there on Twitter again now at RT Arena, it's the, the telegraph poles or the electricity lines that are there in the background. All the time we're looking at man's Intervention with the landscape here.
1: Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah. And it's interesting because um, man's intervention in the landscape is, it's surprising how quickly it can be eradicated. I mean, even Aideen's holes probably, mm. she's unlikely to fall down when I imagine, you know. <laughs> Hopefully, anyway, there are easier ways to get to heaven. But its um, it's just. It, the power of, of, of the landscape, you become aware of it when you live in it. You know, it's the per, not so much the power, but the permanency of it. And, you know, people come along, they live there, they die out. You know, might take generations, whatever. But the, the landscape just goes on. You know, mm. it, it, there's a kind of primal permanency there I think that's uh, hard to explain that's why the paintings are not actually about the landscape as such but they're about our uh, dealing with it
0: you know yeah because you, you kind of do get the, the impression those buckets mightn't last those telegraph poles mightn't last even the little s- s- shift of a fence that we can see down near the yeah, horse exactly. that won't last I mean, that could be gone next year really but but the, yeah. that little mound of a hill away back in the background will be there forever and a day which touches eighteen, I think on your exhibition um, at, at, at which will be soon to open at the in the Limerick City gallery the overall Mm. title of the exhibition called by slight ligaments you're kind of looking at this idea that in fact yeah this is permanent and we mightn't be as permanent as we like to think Mm. we are
2: Mm. i mean i i have one of the greatest anxieties i have as an artist in the 21st century is this thought that we could be the last generation of artists and i mean we're living through this huge environmental catastrophe at the moment you could argue that COVID has been one of these like man-made pandemics in a Mm. way because of our intrusion on the natural world and I'm just worried that the threats to us all are so great and what we have done to the planet has been so great that we could be the last generation of artists and this is where my new work is kind of looking or inquiring mm. about, you know, what is the role of the artist in these great times of uncertainty? Yeah.
0: Let's listen. But, Actually, the centerpiece of this is is a work called Oblivion, and I want to I want to listen mm-hmm. to a to a clip from Oblivion, which kind of gives us the context for what the uh, what you're just talking about there. So this is from Oblivion, one of the aspects of this uh, soon to open at Limerick City Gallery, the exhibition by Slight Ligaments.
2: What if we are the last of the artists? What happens if we are the last artists and the last generations of people left to inhabit this planet? What if environmental apocalypse is just around the corner? What if everything we have made, every song that has been sung, every piece of art is for nothing? What does the notion of the word oblivion mean?
0: That's a clip there from. There's there's a sound aspect I should have explained, Aidan Barry, to mm. to the exhibition as well. It's a, the music network. You have music involved in it. Several musicians involved yeah. in 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 what you're doing. But that question, Martin, it strikes me that the way you speak about the permanency of the landscape, perhaps you don't have the same Aidan talking about an anxiety around the getting rid of <laughs> oh, us. Yeah, I mean,
1: that was the doomsday scenario. There. Yeah. Um, no, I, I mean art and artists have, have um, existed for so long. I mean, if you look, go right back to the cave drawings, you know, and what's happened in between then. And I think there'll always be, as long as there are human beings on the planet, there'll always be somebody f- finding a way mm. of articulating their their life. But I
0: suppose, Aideen, if I'm again, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Aide, but you're looking at this potential that there may not be human beings, but does that mm. feed in, Martin, yeah. to to that idea that you were saying, no matter what the permanency of the landscape, the permanency of the planet is there. Oh yeah. Yeah, of course.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there'll still be, I mean, the topography may change. Mm. As you say, we may be all gone. But as long as the planet's in existence, there'll be, you know, mountains, valleys, hills, trees, whatever.
0: Is that any kind of a consolation to you, Aiden? Because there is there is a kind of anxiety around that the, the piece. It would be said overall. We, you know, we get this. There's a performative aspect to it. Um, yeah. How would you describe the characters? Who, who are I don't know if I would call it dance, but there's a performance art aspect to an installation you made. They were like big shards sticking up out of the landscape, which again, I suppose, yeah, links so, in with mining.
2: I guess like the whole thing is kind of inspired by an endeavor by this uh, musicologist called Edward Bunting who saved the Irish harp from oblivion, which was in the 1796, he wrote down the last 66 airs, and to immortalise them, and had he not made an endeavour or a statement like that, we would have lost this, architect, this mm. um, vernacular heritage, you know. Um, so I'm kind of interested in, like, how do artists take seismic times like we're living through now, and turn that into art? Mm. And who is it all for if Things are going to be uh, wiped out by environmental catastrophes and those shardic structures that you were talking about, Sean, I'm looking at like these kind of Japanese linguists and anthropologists are looking at like creating landscapes that live on past humans to talk about toxicity. So I, as I said, I live in the Silver Mines, and mm. this is a big man-made disaster because of mining, and the landscape around here is actually poisoned from this man-made intervention. And you know, need to kind of communicate after this. How do you communicate yeah. through I, some sort of possibility? Anyway, sorry. I,
0: no, not at so, all. No, I, yeah. because it's an interesting point, and I wondered to what extent mm. for you, Martin Gill, do you see that, that intervention of the man in the of man in the landscape in in terms of the, your work in Winterlight uh how how i suppose easy is it how how non-destructive is that intervention
1: well it, it's it's pretty non-destructive because there are people who are existing um you know in in in, in the landscape as it is now there, there's no um foreshadowing of anything sinister going on it's just a landscape that's that is uh, as uh, permanent as it has been, as it is there, as it has been for decades,
0: yeah, so centuries even, you know. So it's part of a continuum, I think.
1: You right.
0: know. Well, very interesting to speak with both of you. And certainly um, in terms of winter light, uh, you can see both Martin Gale's and Aileen Barry's work. That's at the Ark Children's Cultural Center. Winter Lights is the title of the overall exhibition. It's running there uh, through until January the thirtieth. And Oblivion, Shaktvalakt as Gwelige. and I won't attempt the other language there, which is an Inuit language, I believe. From 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 the Reet, correct. from Reet is yes. one of your one of your artists, one of your vocal artists, uh, Aideen. Yes. That will be presented yes. as the centerpiece of Aideen Barry's by Slight Ligaments exhibition which is at Limerick City Gallery of Art from the 16th of December through until the 13th of February and then it'll be at the Source uh, Centre in uh, Art Centre in Thurles from March through until the end of April 2022.